Smashed avocado. Spoiled eggs. What? Rich orange yolk. Oh, my <laughs> word. Welcome to the Dubcast. Uh, I'm your host Peter Pedlow and I'll be joined today by my co-drivers Matthew Howells. Good morning. And Craig Hart. Good morning. Good morning. So get yourself revved up for another fact-filled show with today's episode, episode number three, where we'll be discussing how and why the challenges facing the new car market will impact on used car supply for the next couple of years. But first, we've had a couple of listeners asking us, what is DOP? What is it all about? Craig, what are you saying, bruv? DOP is short for Dealer Optimization Partner. Uh, new uh, concept within Post Brothers. A couple of years down the line now. Um, in a nutshell, uh, bringing everything that's happening within the industry back into Close Brothers and now back out via a podcast. Um, and the eyes and ears for everything from a dealer perspective to make sure um, what they're feeling and thinking gets fed back into the business and, and vice versa back out. Cool. So what, one thing you've said a couple of times, sir, is you have mentioned Close Brothers. For those of you who are listening who maybe don't know us and you've stumbled upon this podcast because it's so hugely popular, uh, we do work for Close Brothers and their motor finance arm. Matthew, Dop, what is Dop to you? Yeah, just to carry on from, from Craig's uh, mentions there. Um, I guess it's more around the, the title, helping our dealer partners maximise their opportunity within their businesses. Um, you think about the, the current marketplace um, and the inconsistencies within the marketplace. So I like to think within DOT, we bring that data to life and make it real world for our dealer partners to understand you know the sort of what the data is conveying uh, and break it down in simplistic terms to our dealer partners turbo that's kind of as a high level overview what dot represents coming back to today we're going to talk a wee bit more around the challenges the new car market has faced in the last three years now uh, with the challenges with supply with covid um, and everything else and just the impact it's going to have on used cars um, on the used vehicle park. So, Matt, initial thoughts on, you know, what's happened in the last couple of years? So, an initial thoughts, again, obviously we're seeing a significant decline over the last 36 months, for example, around the uh, supply of new. Um, it's commonly known, it feels like now, 2 million lost new registrations in the last 36 months alone, which naturally they will never become used, obviously. Um, and subsequently, is there's that headline then, but by 2024, there'll be circa 1.9 less three to five year olds in, in the market by 2024, V 2019. So that, that's a significant decline, which will result in a consumer transitioning in the 
next few years around buying older age vehicles is the reality. Um, and again, the data kind of points into that. But you also then have to couple that with the transition and the growth of the EV market. And, yeah. and I know we covered that at our on our on our previous podcast. But it's kind of the the impact and uh, and almost the blend of the two in that regard. So. You know, it's also interesting seeing how that is playing out within the sector of both independent and franchise dealers. So, one of the observation points uh, for, for myself is we're seeing franchise retailers typically stocking twelve-month-older assets now than than they were, for example, um, sort of pre-pandemic and. Again, one of the manufacturers, Mercedes-Benz, that stood out for me, you know, historically, it was 1.2 um, was the average uh, used age on their forecourts. That's actually now 2.8 year old. So that's one of the more of the significant yeah. manufacturer movements. So considerable uh, impact. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the same across, you know, varying uh, age slightly. But, you know, that's the impact. And then it brings about its own sort of, Restrictions. We talk about um, of manufacturer use programs, uh, and some of these assets that they now stock actually sit outside of their use program. So just filling spaces, aren't they? Trying to make money, right? Exactly that. And are they going to have to adjust those programs to to accommodate the the use stock on forecourt? <coughs> if they want the profits, they're going to have to, which they clearly are, right? Yeah. Look, you know, <coughs> manufacturer use programs are a way for manufacturers to tie dealers into buying their used cars directly from them. Of you know, ex um, press vehicles, ex staff. Uh, company cars or you know whatever schemes that they've put in place to try and generate registrations at the end of the day so having having worked for OEM that is very much what they do it for so as a as a manufacturer it's a it's kind of a means to an end to tie dealers into you must buy 200 used vehicles you know from our remarketing department annually or, or whatever the number that they, that they agree outside of that I suppose it boils down to the dealer having the right used car program for themselves making sure they've got you know the right warranties, making sure they've got the right kind of levels of preparation that that um, that's alongside that. So you know we're looking at a market that's two million registrations down in the last three years. We're looking at globally having 30, 35 million less vehicles produced. You know this is not a this is not a short term. Um, Solution. This is not a short-term fix. It's not a short-term problem. You know, it is going to be a problem until early twenty thirties. Clearly, use our new vehicle supply should start to improve as we move into 20, uh, 2023 and, and I suppose twenty twenty four. Um, but we're always going to have a challenge in the used car sector up until six, seven, eight years from now. So twenty twenty nine, twenty twenty thirty. Not going to be filled for a while, will it? Not, 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 not going to be filled, and you know. Craig, from from your perspective, you know, having a look at the vehicle park, looking at the typical used car dealer mm -hmm. who potentially plays in the five-year-old vehicle space, six-year-old vehicle space. Mm -hmm. You know, we know that annually, probably twenty-five percent of all used car transactions are in the three to five-year-old bracket. You yeah. know, looking for looking forward to twenty twenty-four. What do you see as being kind of the challenges there? Well, I think the first thing for me is probably around prices. Prices of, of vehicles in general, uh, especially 
you know, as we all know, used vehicles have have gone up near on, you know, thirty odd percent over the last two years. That's been a strain on on a on a used um, retailer. Um, and now all of a sudden they're going to have to make a choice, right? They're going to have to make a choice whether or not they go with those younger vehicles when they can get their hands on them, or they go with the older ones. Um, the consumers naturally, I think, now with cost of living are buying older, and that may help work into the hands because obviously we all know cost of living and inflation and stuff is a big, big thing top of the feed at the moment. But I think that gap can create opportunities. And I think, you know, we, we spoke in our last podcast about, you know, adoption of EV and alternative fuel vehicles. There, there's options around available for our dealer partners and, and everyone out in the marketplace. You know, this has happened and we and, and all car dealers and retailers have got to adapt, make a choice, understand <coughs> where they want to go with it, do their research and see it as an opportunity. Yeah, I think there's some, there's got to be some positives out of this. And it's interesting that you talk about the sort of trends by the asset valuation, and I guess one of the key things I've sort of picked up on is around that sort of sub seven k valuation budget, where actually that's the most challenges for consumer in light of the um, cost of living rise and that lack of disposable income within within that sector of people sourcing that that sort of budget um, price whereas yeah they're ending up with a two year old two year older vehicle than their budget than their budget a year ago would have allowed and naturally that brings challenges you know as well you know if they've been used to buying a five year old vehicle for seven or eight thousand pounds they're now buying a seven or maybe even an eight year old vehicle for the same price price. and naturally that can bring quality issues you know mm-hmm. the customer will be used to a certain maybe style of vehicle a certain you know build a certain design a certain sort of specification and and all of a sudden they're maybe having to drop back to an older it's vehicle a good, do you know it's a, a bit good, more rickety it's a good yeah. point though, right yeah. can you imagine you know you've got consumers out there that potentially want to stick with one particular brand volkswagen etc yeah, always, had a, golf. More. Yeah. always, always had a golf next yeah. thing they're realizing the prices are a bit you know, high for these I'm having a Can I go into a, a Japanese car? Can I go over to a Hyundai? Can I have a look at some else where I get a higher spec for the same same year, but a higher spec for the same price that they you know that they're looking at. So again, it could there's opportunities for for change of, of manufacturers maybe right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think there's been so much bad news. I think we're everything like this that we've got to look at it. We've now got to try and look at how we as a team and, and business and, and everyone in our industry, where's the opportunities? Where do we go with this? What do we want to do? Where can we win? Yeah. Um, and to that point, you know, we talk about the sweet spot of, of retailable asset, circa 10 to 12K. Yeah. And that remains largely unchanged over the last few months. And linking that into our own financial market view data, mm-hmm. where we see circa the last few months, I think 12,500 is, is the average... Um, asset, uh, you know, that we sort of finance in that regard. So that remains kind of unchanged. So you almost question: Is that the the marketplace to go to? And then looking at the the top end, the luxury and prestige. Yeah, there there is no change. And we, you know, when I sort of review some of our 
prestige dealers. But why do you think that is? Is the question? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, the disposable income. You know, absolutely. Um, yeah, they're, they're not going to be the world. Guys, the know, they're not, not affected by the pandemic. No, the world's not changed. You know, they're, 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 sorry, they're, the, by the cost of living. Yeah, they're, 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 they're as affected as as anybody in a sense that they're paying more for fuel at the pump, but they have a lot more disposable. You know. They can kick, still kick, go out and buy those. Kick, kicking around the bucket, you yeah. know. They can still have the the luxury car. They can still afford to fuel it. It's 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 the average customer yeah. whose the majority. budget is seven eight yeah. k that that is more than likely going to be impacted. And and it's true. And they'll be. You know, we talk about the EV adoption. You know, that sector yeah. will be the earlier to adopt. You know, if we did the analysis by disposable income. Um, well, areas. Well, that was on the webinar that we, um, you know, that we watched yesterday, um, and it shows obviously that the are the EVs that the full EVs still too expensive, so they're just not reachable yet. Um, there is a few cheaper ones coming into the market now, which makes it a little bit more affordable. But as we see, as they're going to become used. Are the prices going to drop? Are they going to stay? No one knows with these battery no. vehicles yet. Hence why there's a bit of apprehension. But I think um, from a perspective of cost of living mm-hmm. and where the world is going today and new car registrations and used registrations, is there households out there now with maybe one person working at home that are going from two back down to one? So is, you know, is cost of living making an impact to say, do we need two cars? I'm in a position where, you know, luckily we've got, I've got a company car. My wife's got a Hyundai X35 that's hardly ever used. Mm-hmm. And I say to her, do we need that car anymore? And she's like, well, I, I, what if you're around and stuff? But it's such a rarity that we use her. <laughs> such a rarity that you're out. <laughs> 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 Never leave the house. <laughs> I've seen the but there, is, there, is, there is a point of this, though, right? There is a point of this that there is probably... You know, conversations had where do we need those two cars? That's, then, that's a registration less. Is, is Kirsten still delivering pizzas in the Tesla? Yeah, in the Tesla. Not with my new electric cost bill, mate. I'm telling you. But then, you know, that, I know it's been a pushover in recent years, but also you think about, you know, that commute to work, that yeah. car share scheme. Yeah. Will that drive growth in that as well? Um, you know, from a, a workplace point of view? Yeah. So. So let's talk about new car delivery and the issues have happened around that. Matt, you're in an actual position of waiting on a vehicle for a how? What's the yeah, it's a pro. Well, eight months. Uh, eight months is my um, time frame. The due date of uh, was that August. the original? Because it's been moved, right? Actually, it's moved twice. It came forward a month to the end of this month, July, and then it went just to, just to tease me, and then they've pushed it back by a. Uh, by original date, actually, to the end of August, around that, so circa eight months for uh, for my BMW X5 to, to land with me. And, you know, speaking with some colleagues, am I confident that that'll be the actual date? No, no I'm not. Yeah, um, yeah. But then... Is it um, on the boat? Is it on the boat? They tell me it is. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm not... I'm not <laughs> which so, boat? Where's it, where's it sailing boat, More importantly, which direction is it going? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess, and again, reading into that, you know, that sort of varies by manufacturer again. Yes. You know, I've read recently around how Volvo uh, are back to full production scale. Wow. Um, which is what, you know, that's a... What, re- you, we're talking pre-pandemic? 
for production scale, so they're not wow. limited by um, you know the the pandemic or the 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 war in Ukraine for for supply of raw materials. Because BMW have had a hard hit on on the uh, Ukraine absolutely. thing. Absolutely, so the Warren Limbs. German, uh, no. So Warren Limbs was more the Volkswagen group. Ah. They all come out of Ukraine, but you know BMW, Volkswagen, Mercedes. So where where is pricing going? Uh, in the most recent update from Cap HPI. It's negligible, zero point two percent. Whereas Jeremy, yeah, said about ten pounds, about yeah, ten pounds yeah. on three year, yeah. um, sixty. Clearly, clearly, there's some volatility in in some some of the segments. SUV, as an example, dropped nearly one um, percent. Yeah. But that's potentially where the majority of supply is in the marketplace, or oversupply. In truth, um, in the marketplace sits within the SUV. We know that is where the majority of manufacturers, if it's not an SUV, they hardly build it now. Um, so, so clearly, clearly that is where we are seeing a wee bit of a drop. But a lot of the big heavy metal stuff, Range Rovers, you know, they're all going to come under that come under that banner um, uh, anyway. But there hasn't been a huge reduction in prices now, kind of two, two months, uh, two months in a row. July this year versus the average kind of pre-pandemic, it's, it's one point one percent typically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd so, say just my my biggest. Bit of advice, if you know, if I was a dealer now or, or what have you, would be use data. Yeah, it's a price vehicle. So, 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 so to, to, to that point, yeah, right? Absolutely. You so know, the life cycle of the of the asset. yeah. You know, we're at a yeah. position where cost of living is a challenge for yeah. the majority of people in, in the marketplace. They're spending their money on holidays. They're they're maybe not as as in demand from from changing their car because we're because COVID still knocking about business as usual almost in yeah. many ways. Yeah. Um. So you know, changing the car is not necessarily as important as it was. Demand is low, yeah. but, but we're lucky in that supply is low, and that's why we're kind of in this really strange market dynamic where prices aren't really changing. Because yeah. if supply was plentiful and demand was low, Price. as as you were seeing before, dealers would be cutting the life out of prices. Yeah. Um. And 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 clearly that's not happening. So I suppose the message is, as you have started to say, is trust the data. You know, and yeah. an interesting piece that, um, in in one of the most recent um. I think it was Nathan Coe from Autotrader had put out that um, the average dealer had left £12,000 of, of potential profit on the table um, yeah. across uh, across July, which is which is absolutely crazy. You know, at a time when prices are still going up in some areas, convertibles, no surprise, get a, bit of, get a bit of sunshine. But in other areas, it is dropping. But dealers are still either dropping too low, they're maybe not pricing right from day one. It's just an interesting, an interesting time to try and maximise profitability and some dealers was, are kind of feeling to do that. I was um, with a dealer a couple of weeks ago, uh, a, a, a large used car dealer, I'm talking 500 plus vehicles, and we were looking um, his data and he was regularly coming in below market value on day one. Con- well, the majority of his stock for what we could see of his averages as well and then his exit price was not changing so it showed that day one he wasn't leaning on data as well as probably he should do and then throughout throughout his lifetime before it sold so there was a huge opportunity for that particular dealer to make more money per vehicle and there's a lot of vehicles sold there when we've done the sums backwards it was you know, eye-watering for him to see, right? But that could be a 10-car dealer or a five 500-car dealer. The point is that 
using data from day one and then throughout its lifetime is, is key because and we keep mentioning though the retail back we did on the prior podcast absolutely you know and are they putting those set margins and working trade up in that regard yeah um but it's also important we talk about percentages to live market obviously stating the obvious but in that higher retail asset you know i think april 32 percent growth in used car retail prices we're now um seeing that circa 27 so that it's kind of le- yeah, bits. it's leveling um, out a bit, but you still need to be on. You still need to understand from a you know there's there's less vehicles. It feels like obviously there's less new coming into the market as we know. So so prices will change. Supply demand retail rating is obviously a big factor in understanding supply demand. Yeah, right. So and average days to sell. And average course. days to sell. So so simple things like that. We know that anyone that is using Auto Trader get to use uh, retail check now. If you're thinking about buying a car, if you want to reprice a car, you know they're the type of data sets that you can get your hands on to use it. So the, the guessing game is no longer there. The, oh, if I buy one of those again and I sell it, will I be able to replace it scenario? You know, ultimately, you're there to buy a vehicle, to sell a vehicle, to buy another one, to sell it, to make profit. It's a means of making profit. Yeah, and it's, it's taking the emotion out of it, right? Rather yes. than... You know, looking into that individual asset is taking the emotion and just look at that as invested capital. That's the that's it. You yeah. see an awful lot of times on forecourts that we've spent certainly over the last six months where dealer partners probably get caught up in that. You know, they can't replenish or replace that item. Yeah. But it, it's not about that. It's around potentially more now than ever diversifying in the marketplace in terms of stock profile and i think sourcing avenues you know yeah how many dealers do we know that still source from the same avenues they always have i think a big question as well is how many you know if you're a dealer listening to this podcast the question is do you know your break-even day and if you don't know your break-even day go online try to understand what a break-even day is you can contact us at close brothers because I think it's a big thing for any new or used dealer or retailer to understand is when is the average day that I no longer make any money on this unit. It's a big, big thing. And from what we've seen, not many retailers know it until we... And why is that? Um, I, I think a lot of dealers um, probably don't go into the level of detail that they should when we come to break even days. We hear a lot, I've still got two grand in it. I've still got two grand in it, and and it, it, it's working an average out to understand when is it, when when at that point does it start owing new money. There's always going to be an average. You can work it out on an asset by asset level basis, but it's difficult. The dealers that unfortunately sit and say I've still got two grand in a vehicle after ninety days, one hundred and twenty days. The truth is they haven't. Yeah, <clears throat> and why haven't they? Because there are days to sell. You know. When... Yeah, we look at the average. You know cost to stock per day isn't it that's how we break it down yeah um, and, and it's, it's thir- circa 13 pound 77 per day nigh on yeah. Um, yeah. you know to, to, and it's it's almost changing mindsets to operate that but when we review the data collectively and we look at ends of the spectrum and top 10 percent performing retailers mm-hmm. yeah they are totally on board with understanding what cost to stock per day is yeah. what their break-even day is and when we hear the scenario of I review my prices weekly, they actually review and, and reprice. Whereas up and down. Yeah, both up and down. Reprice uh, isn't always down, absolutely. Um, but whereas, you know, sometimes in that bottom ten percent of, of the sector, they we may get indication that they do review, but actually no action is taken 
on that asset and we talk about the slight realignment piece now if you do nothing for example within 60 days yeah i've seen examples in the last week alone where um you know post 60 days of, of a asset being in stock they've not repriced they then repriced by circa 500 pound yeah. and actually the revenue uh, the the sources of 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 knowledge that you've got and, and data that you've got to make decisions on am I going to buy a vehicle do I need to reprice a vehicle how long should I have it in stock average days where's the market going is the prices moving up and down what do I do with it because Tesco's will know a break even day for a tin of baked beans every business will know a break even day and more so for their, for their perishable goods absolutely add on that point but and just probably use this as an opportunity for dealers who probably aren't comfortable with some of the, the metrics that we're talking about that you know don't be afraid to kind of reach out to to, to, to the doc team or, or even their their respective account manager to have a discussion around that absolutely um, yeah, yeah you know not everyone is in the, the same space of, of understanding so um, I guess now is as good a time as any and more important than any to, to kind of reach out and and get a level of understanding and the impact that can have on their business for dealers who are maybe listening or maybe not necessarily dealers but you know people who are listening who maybe want to know a wee bit more, they maybe don't, aren't partnering with Close Brothers, maybe partnering with another finance company and they're interested in getting in touch, who should they reach out to? Wow, we've just launched our new website. We have indeed. We have, we've just launched a new updated website, so you can go on to closebrothersmotorfinance.co.uk. Um, there is a get in touch page in there if you ever want to reach out to us. There's loads and loads of information on there and we'd be happily uh, available to assist anyone or, or uh, around any subjects right, that we've been discussing. Absolutely. There is another avenue as well if you wanted to bypass all that and wanted to get in touch. Perhaps you have some questions around some of the topics that we have talked about. Um, uh, we also have our own email address which is dealer.opt opt at closebrothers.com anything you've heard uh, on, on today's podcast you maybe want to know a wee bit more about or maybe some suggestions for the future absolutely do uh, do feel free to get in touch. So go, going back to what we're chatting about, we know the vehicle park is going to have some challenges come come 2024 in the sub five year category. I'm a dealer. I need to do something a bit differently. What is likely to change in the market in the next 18 months that could present an opportunity to me? What do you think? Aren't comfortable in the understanding exactly. or making that transition exactly. or they don't believe that their current stock profile matches that transition. But Again, it's not from my mindset. It's not thinking about what their current stock profile is. It's, it's meeting the demands of the consumer, right? Yeah. And you know, we touched on it on a uh, over breakfast. A, a dealer that's you know forward thinking, early adoption around the EV transition, and was it seven or nine fully electric retailers in the UK? In the UK. Now yeah. we are how many years away from the twenty thirty? kind of like UK target here mm-hmm. and how many UK, how many dealers are in the UK now how many thousand 16,000 16,000 yeah. and there's well, I can't remember if it's 7 or 9 that are doing that are on board that are, are the game changers now and it's whether or not we're going to see a steady amount of dealers go across or everyone's just going to jump at the last minute and the problem is if you jump at the last minute you're not going to be ahead of the game right so it's that kind of getting your understanding now maybe the stock isn't there to go and buy it at the moment as we know but once you know what you want to do and you understand the subjects you're ready to go for when it is more readily available i think 
actually. It's Again, comes back to an earlier point, you know, do your research though, understand yeah. the data set, you know, and utilize the data that's available to, yeah. to, to make that uh, informed decision. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, you're right. It, it, boiling it down to the most simple thing, it's buy something that's in demand, sell it, make profit, go again. Uh, interesting thing um, I was reading this morning on the subject of, of EVs. Uh, Apple have hired a top executive from Lamborghini. Wow. Are they still rumbling on about making a car? Clearly they are. I, I think it had kind of died to death, but you know this is, has just hit the, the kind of the automotive world in the last 24 hours. So it looks like they are, you know, sort of brought it into my head that you'd kind of, again said earlier over, over breakfast that yeah. You know, your Apple phone is like an electric vehicle in many, yeah, yeah, of course in, in, is. Yeah, in many yeah, ways. Yeah. Looks like Apple. Know, more, the more the merrier though, right? The more it. the merrier. I think the more the manufacturers are, are going to chase an electric vehicle, the better. Yeah, the quicker the technology will come on, the more exactly. the more get the into more it. investment goes into it. For sure. it's, it's, it can only be a good thing, right? Um, it's just a shame Dyson decided not to... <laughs> Go ahead yeah, with their electric yeah. vehicle because I'm sure that would have been a world beater. <laughs> you know, what he's done with hair dryers and yeah. curling Perhaps irons and Hoover's. Call in the bath and see James on the way back through <laughs> and have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> Should do, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Norway, which are one of the Hoover's? Are you talking about? No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Hoover's are really popular in Norway. <laughs> hair dryers, the Dyson one. <laughs> I bet they're nothing good. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, anyway, um, I was saying that the uh, manufacturers that are coming out of kind of like Asia now for electric vehicles are really kind of like making way in places like Norway, and that's got to spread throughout. Just the more, the better. Well, it's got to be affordable. That's ninety percent of all registrations in Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland, are diesel. Outside of that. Um, 90% of all registrations in Norway are, are fully electric vehicles. Yeah, but they're government. Yeah. yeah they incentivise them. They do, they do so, incentivise. Which yeah. we know is no longer... Oh, don't go there, Matt. i got to go there. Sorry, sorry, Hooks, that's the Norway <laughs> government phone, Matt. It's <laughs> <laughs> maybe Rishi. Rishi Sunak's on the blower, looking to know what he should do with electric vehicles. Rishi, I'm just on to Liz. Can I call you back? <laughs> 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 uh, Rishi, if you're listening, if you need any uh, help or advice on electric vehicle policy, please do reach out to us. Um, we will. Uh, well, don't reach out to Matt. Matt hasn't got an electric vehicle, uh, and nor nor does he want one. Rishi, unfortunately, um, time is everything, gents. In that regard, <laughs> yeah. um, but just you know, we're talking around AFE EV types of um, vehicle in that regard, but just thinking about the and you know that confidence in consumer yeah i think circa 60 percent of evs are currently registered to businesses at the moment yeah. right yeah, yeah so course, yeah. the large uptake of the ev afe transition fleet. Fleet, fleet, fleet is around that area of the market so again it's that more private individual that consumer adoption that needs to and that comes back to around you know Again, understanding that marketplace, what's right for them, the adoption, the concerns around infrastructure, infrastructure yeah. um, as, as we touched on at the prior podcast. So it's kind of, you know, being mindful of the requirement for, you know, that, that private person to, to, to... Well, there's two things, isn't there? There's, there's obviously range anxiety, if you're thinking about it. The second thing is the actual value of these electric vehicles. At the minute, they're not 
priced for the everyday you know consumer they're priced for they're decent money right we yeah. know that when someone can bring out a vehicle that is fully electric that could do 300 plus miles that costs less than 20 grand you will see people go yeah. Oh, okay uh, yeah i uh, might give this a go right on a decent pcp yeah. or yeah P- P- pcp is going to be key so exactly when that. you think you know around 96 percent of all new cars are funded in in some form or, or other. Yeah. If you look at any electric vehicle now, be that a personal contract hire, be that um, PCP, they're four fifty, five hundred pounds plus. Yeah. And and that's not a normal budget for anybody. And I suppose as you've alluded to, the the first manufacturer that can get a fully electric vehicle with a you know, that's capable of carrying two point four children, that's three hundred quid yeah, yeah, there yeah, thereabouts, yeah. they'll 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 dominate. And Absolutely. and I know, you know, MG MG have have a lot of good fully electric vehicles on the road. Potentially their brand is not quite where they would like it, but it's growing and growing really, really well. Um, you'll probably find them start to, to kind of move into that area. Yeah. You know, EV6 has done incredibly well. The Hyundai um, Ionic 5 has done incredibly well. Yeah. You know, even even the Peugeot um, E2008 does does incredibly well. Um, if I, you know, like I obviously said earlier, a James Gale's car did really consider going fully electric because I looked at it more from a total running costs and I think a lot of consumers probably don't look at it in that way you know their, their monthly budget is £300 so I want to spend £300 a month mm. but actually I sat down you know got the old spreadsheet out as you do and went many miles am I doing a month I'm doing a, you know Gail's going to do a thousand miles a month okay what's that costing you know from a fuel perspective and literally put the two of them side by side and in truth for 10,000 miles a year there wasn't a huge amount in it comparing the new Sportage versus the Anik 5 or the EV6 mm-hmm. but what it came down to for me was the infrastructure you know the infrastructure is just oh, we're now, you mean. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, just yeah. nowhere near um, we know around Farnborough is absolutely class but you know for myself and the Welshman yeah. you know infrastructure mm-hmm. is nowhere near where, um, where it needs to be and in truth that was what stopped um, me making that adoption I think for, for the normal sort of customer out there if you are considering electric do do you almost a whole life cost you know total running costs take into consideration the price you pay for your electricity on an overnight tariff there's quite a few calculators actually out there online that Is there? Do, do that for you now yeah and, and that's the point right you think of a um, an average new EV is circa 36% more expensive than a typical oh, ICE yeah. Um, yeah. vehicle but, but the education piece is around the cost saving over the life cycle of mm-hmm. owning that EV, isn't it? Servicing, all that kind exactly of stuff that, that, that doesn't need to be done. And Tax. how you recover that yeah. over the time frame. So yeah. whilst initial affordability is, is a concern for most consumers, it's that longer term saving when you, to create what you do, that calculator to understand the actual comparative saving over the, you know, the life cycle of, of owning that that particular EV, so yeah. that's the kind of area to probably pass into. This is, what, think this, about. Is, this is one thing that I always think about when it comes to electric vehicles. All of the manufacturers are building their own batteries, and they've all got different levels of technology, right? Mm-hmm. And you'll have one manufacturer who's built. Well, what's your each one do? <laughs> ten, ten miles. Ten about miles. Ten miles in a full ten charge. Miles yeah. a full charge. Yeah. yeah. And you've got you know your Tesla's out there doing. Other electric vehicles are available, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got other other manufacturers out there who can do a battery for 300 miles plus yeah why are we not why are the manufacturers just not I, and it's just 
just happen where they can just share technology and just the adoption would be faster. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. yeah well, all all trade give an indication yesterday actually to around the average savings per thousand miles, um, electric v petrol. Yeah. Um, and it's actually peaked thus far in, in for one minute, July one minute. Quiz, me. quiz us. Quiz us. Twenty two. Um, yeah, so give us an indication. Pete, I'll, I'll put it to you. What What's you the question again? The question is, what the, is the average saving per 1,000 miles on electric v. petrol vehicles for, for a month as a monetary... For, for a month, uh, let's see. Can I get my spreadsheet? Uh, <laughs> so average vehicle, ice, probably doing 40 miles per gallon. Uh, so that's about nine quid. And we're talking most quid, recent fuel Nine costs. quid, nine Yeah, pounds. factoring in, you know, the most recent, you know, fuel price. How much, like is, how much is a litre now? I think it's two quid. It's two much. quid still. In yeah. some areas yeah. it still is, yeah. So that's two quid by... Well, my gas and electric bill, <laughs> telling you, the saving's not that much. But it's probably 90 pound a month, there or thereabouts, I would say. Actually, it you know, it started out at circa 106, um, but actually, the saving per thousand miles on electric petrol vehicles for July twenty two yeah. is one hundred and sixty five pounds per thousand miles. Per thousand miles. Wow. So you know, not if you have an e-tron. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Aldi. Or, or any other make model out there. Um, but yeah, that that just gives some indication. That's actually peaked. If you look at probably an average since the turn of the year, it's been. Circa one one four. So, uh, so yeah, uh, that's uh, just the running How they doing? Yeah. So right? how they how they doing that? Because that's not taken into account. But uh, it takes uh, into account tax, fuel. So it's running costs, maintenance. Uh, yes. as well. Yeah. Of that. So yeah. it's factoring because those. you're not taking into account you've paid more for the electric vehicle versus the ice. Circa thirty six. You know, you pay a third mile more. Than I'm you just would. talking about fuel. Yeah, because yeah. because you know that's what the majority of consumers will. Factor in, yeah. not factor anything else in. No, to your point, around the non-requirement for servicing, which they kind of need to think with that mindset, don't yeah. they? To, you know, and that's one six five. That seems to grow. That's circa tax two, as well. Two k per annum. So you're subject to your budget initially, but over the course how, of you know, 36, 48 months, exactly that. How, know, do, there's how long six do you want to keep that? There's six to eight k If that you know cost saving doesn't rise, so yeah, you know, again, subject to the mileage you do, of course. Um, so it's just different things to kind of probably think about in yeah. terms of, you know, that next um, asset purchase. I suppose, you know, the other things to take into consideration too is residual values will be much stronger mm -hmm. and much more stable on fully electric vehicles across the next couple of years. But, great point. You know, could be some challenges to that, I suppose. E-trons again, um, with a with the a ones with less with yeah. a battery yeah. at one forty. You know, as 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 technology continues to advance, you know, anything I suppose doing three hundred plus, you'll be really safe with. Yes. Um, but I suppose you know that the long term future of of electric and electric adoption has to be swapping out batteries. Yeah. Yes. You know, that's if if they want it to be kind of mainstream, that's probably where it needs to get to. Almost like doing your pit stop. You know, rock up. Get your batteries out, lump back in again, and crack on. Get your water. Um, and I or, know or, or hydrogen. And I know we've, we've probably swerved quite heavy back into electric vehicles as we did on our last podcast, but I suppose it's because there's do uh, does a does a consumer make a jump across to an alternative fuel vehicle potentially dependent on cost, right? And, and, and dependent on cost, and one of the other things is is choice, isn't it? To to meet consumer demand. So as, as a comparison, a question for you, gents, if I could pose to you 
the uh, number of vehicles under, say, circa 30K, what is the amount of vehicles available for, like, ICE, for example? Under, under 30. Under 30K uh, for ICE v electric models. Less so than 10. Less for than fully electric. Under 30K. Compared to 26 for EV. Yeah. So and you're in you're including the Fiat 500 in that you're including the Corsa E, which are going to be you know family orientated in that regard. So you start to then drill down to meet family to my point family requirements, and actually what is the choice? It's probably three. Which which, yeah, which we then know is again is a is a major influence on on potentially that you know you know consumer transition. You know. A lot of people who will maybe dip their toe in the electric vehicle market are probably not ban it as a first vehicle. You know, they ban it as a, as a as kind of a second vehicle. You know, I'm chatting to actually a few guys recently down down the pub who had bought um one had bought a used Leaf just to, mm-hmm. to kind of try and see if it you know worked and see if he could kind of live with it. Um, and the other guy has had a Zoe. He's had a Zoe for a particular, I think six or seven years. He's 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 had the Zoe. It's kind of started as the main car. It's now the third car in the family, but it's to the shops and back don't really take it any anywhere in the long term because I think it has a range of 80 miles I think it's, it's kind of work, yeah, working it's towards now so it's not it's not brilliant but that really gives people the ability to figure out can I live with this long term you know could, could it could it work for me and that, in many ways that was my kind of thought process behind going electric one was I am a bit of a, an early adopter anyway but yeah. you know I could live with electric the very best because we have a nice vehicle in the driveway you know that when we're heading to the coast or you know, heading down to down to Dublin, you've got that car you can just jump in and, Is that the mini and crack on. <laughs> no, no, it's not the mini. Uh, that's another yeah. ice, which is slightly uh, challenging. What will what will happen to those bad boys in in the next twenty odd years? But um, oh yeah, it's you know goes up goes up regularly. But um, yeah, I think it's just dip your toe in the water, really. But yeah, somehow we've ended up back at electric vehicles when that but was not the purpose. I suppose of, there is a point, though, because it's down to, like, you know... Yeah, we talk know, about consumer purchase. trends, yeah. the effect of lack of supply, and then that, that consumer trend adoption forces us into that, back into the easy... I suppose, I suppose as a summary, you know, we, we, we wanted to understand what does what's the effect of what's happened over the last few years had on the new car market. We know it's down... We know there's more. There's this going to be a huge gap in the market with those vehicles that were never built. Consumers are potentially buying older vehicles now. Values are still quite high. They're not going to drop off the cliff anytime soon. The data doesn't say that. Um, and using data and looking at opportunities from a dealer perspective of where they want to go. Right. One of those potentially being alternative fuel vehicles. You know where where where's the consumer going to go in five years time in seven years time and it's whether or not you jump on it now or you start researching it and go. they'll go where they have to really won't they yeah yeah, yeah. even dipping the toe in to the water as we alluded to you know the one or two vehicles initially to I test imagine. the market i always think like imagine 20 years time and obviously we know the the production of of ice vehicles are going to stop but th- those are still going to be about on the road aren't they there's going to be some mm-hmm. out on the road even diesels is, is the tax going to get astronomical on them because they just don't want them on the road and are people just going to look down at them and go oh my god look at that car there's one of those really dirty diesels dirty ones you know as my <laughs> six year old says is, you know is that hurting the penguins home kind of stuff <laughs> it's mental to think of like what 
what's going to be, right? I right. think it'll become novelty. You know, it's like anything. Oh, wow, there's a diesel. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> I, I sell them as a, as I get it out. But when when I'm in the mini and cruising around, you know, people just stare at it because it's just it's not common and, mm. and I think in 20 years time if somebody's cruising around in a oh look at that diesel ashtray <laughs> yeah do you know what I mean <laughs> you know it's Brilliant. like you know leaded petrol like how long has leaded petrol gone 20, oh, no. odd, 20 odd years you know yeah, how long have we got left of can't, can't, in the world can't, can't, can't get it anymore so you know the vehicles that are kicking about now will there be adoptions need to be made to those engines to, to still mm. keeping them going and, you've got a battery in it you know well you know there, there are, there are uh, there's a company in England who will convert you know the original mini to run off electric yeah. oh, okay. it's 25 grand to do it would I want to Whoa. do that absolutely not you know because there's nothing like getting in here in the engine fire up and the one looter absolutely mine's <laughs> uh, 1.3 actually 1341 cc but anyway we, 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 we do digress um as Matt would say, 27 minutes of good content there. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, we're 53 minutes in. <laughs> if you want to if you want to give us an update on how much good content we've got. <laughs> Folks, th- thanks very much for listening. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, hope you got something out of it. As always, if there's anything else that you would like to hear, please do click into the bio and the podcast. Use the send us a message link. I would really encourage you to do that because we can have a bit of a laugh and a bit of a giggle at some of the things you might want to find out. Um, please do take that uh, opportunity. But for now, it is goodbye from me. Goodbye from Craig. And goodbye from Matt. If you enjoyed the show today, please do hit the follow button and ding that notification bell. Uh, if you didn't enjoy it, what's wrong with you? is snoring all night. <laughs> Time to get a tent and go out the back. <laughs>